0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'm from up here. There we go. Can you guys hear me okay? All right. Are you already sick and tired of hearing me? Okay, good. Good. Lord, they still love me. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry. 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 Sorry, did I just say that out loud? Sorry, inside voices. Okay, there we go. Keep them inside. Um, some of you probably have been keeping your eye on this door up here, and I just uh, wanted to let you know that um, at Impact Church, we offer this doorway of opportunity. We call it the door of hope. When you walk through this door, everything turns to gold. Uh, your finances turn around. Your health turns around. And we'll even throw in for 1995. we'll throw in a set of Gingshu knives just for you, just so that you can experience the best of what God has. For your life. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, Kidding. I'll share more about what that door is all about near the end, but uh, I'm excited to start this morning a new series called Next. How many are ready for the next chapter in their life? Right. How many are ready for the next flight to Hawaii? Okay. All right. 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 How many are, are, are wondering about what's next, uh, you know, for your financial situation? How many want the next pay raise? How many want the next job? Don't put up your hands. Okay. All right. Kidding. All right. Anyhow, I wanted to start by literally giving you the definition of this word next. It literally means immediately adjacent to now. Wow, that's deep. In other words, what is next comes after what is now. Aren't you glad you were sitting down for that? That was mind-blowing. Please take notes. Tweet that, please. Cameron just told me that what is next comes after now. (laughs) Tweet it. I think I'm going to become famous. Anyhow, that's awesome. I want to start this morning by speaking about, um, if I can say it like this, um, the biblical language of next. How many know that next is something that we always look for because we're not very happy with what's now, right? So we're always looking for next. Um, I want to share this morning seven little basic thoughts as a foundation for this entire series. This is laying the foundation, and, and I'll say this, it's, it's not about the next miracle, the next hope, the next door, the next this, it's about an attitude of faith. So I want to just drop into your heart this morning seven phrases that I've taken from seven different uh, biblical passages that describes this attitude called next. Are you Ready? We're all sitting down. That's good. We can handle this. Okay, the first one is this. For those that were not here last week, listen to last week's message because the first point ties in last week. We talked last week in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 about I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing that I do, I forget those things which are behind. For those that were here last week, we talked about a rearview mirror. How many know that you can never move forward if you're constantly looking in what's in the rearview mirror? Well, you can move forward, but not very safe. Right? For those that are police officers here, you will know, don't try that for too long of a period of time. Speaking of police officers, it's often awesome to have Danny and Kim from OCC here with us. Some friends from Oshawa, they got up this morning and they said, you know, there's this guy, Cameron, who's just such a phenomenal speaker, and I just, I don't feel like my night in 2017 will be complete unless I hear this guy speak with the humility that he speaks in. <laughs> So, we're going to come to Impact Church in Kingston just to hear it, just so we don't miss out on anything. Kidding, if you think I'm arrogant, I'm a Leaf fan. (laughs) Trust me, there's no arrogance in Leaf fans. Uh, We're pathetic. But, anyhow, (laughs) it's all good. What's the first thought? Reach forward. When we get it in our hearts that we're going to reach forward, I tell you, something changes. Something drastically changes. When we realize it's not about looking at what's behind. Yes, we we take the lessons from behind and apply them to our future. But we are reaching forward into what God has ahead of us. The second thing is this. Get out of that place. How many are stuck in a place that you don't want to admit but is a bad place and you want to get out of it? Don't raise your hands. Somebody wants your spouse to raise their hand. But anyhow, uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, there's this cool little story stuck in the middle of 2 Kings chapter 7 that describes this thought in such perfection. I I don't really know what else to use, but it says this. It happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate. They said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? What are we doing sitting here? At death's door. You have to understand this morning that, that there is a door that's called death. And I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual issue, a spiritual death. How many know that sometimes in, in, in our lives we have a death of relationships? We have a death of reputation. We have a death of regret. We have a, a death of all these different things. And so I want you to know today, in everything in life, you have two doors to, to sit at. You can choose to sit at the door called death. Or you can choose to sit at the door called life, hope, peace, joy. How many know that if we look in the rearview mirror, it's often death that's there? Shame, regret, we didn't make it, we missed God. What happens if? Will God ever forgive me? Can God redeem that? I've lost count for how many Christians that just need to move ahead with their life because they won't deal with what's in the rearview mirror. Amen? Amen. So here's what it says. What are we doing sitting here at death's door? If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. It's an encouraging word for this morning. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves on their mercy. If they receive us, we'll live. And if they kill us, we'll die. So just in case you missed it, I said this this morning, but it was funny. In case you missed the point, if they kill us, we'll die. I thought to myself, I think he made the point with the first one. But he just had to make the point really strong so that no one misses it. If they kill us, we'll die. We've got nothing to lose. Interestingly enough, they made a decision to get out of this place. They had no idea what they were going to go find. They were hoping that it was going to be good. How many of you have ever walked through a door of opportunity and the whole time you're hoping, Lord Jesus, if you really love me, please make this work out. Please make this work out, Lord. So they got there. Little did they know that God Himself took out His boombox and from heaven started playing what sounded like thousands of horses in chariots and played it right over top of the city where the Syrian army was located. The Syrian army heard what they thought was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of members of God's army. They started to freak out and they literally took off and ran. As fast as they could out of the city. And guess what they did? They just decided to not only leave quickly, but they left without anything. So they left the entire spoils and plunder of the Syrian army for the four lepers. And the four lepers walked in and went, I like this. This is pretty good. Maybe if we say, um, they'll kill us, we'll die more often. Maybe that'll get God's attention. And then he'll do something supernatural for us. No, it wasn't that at all. You know what it was? Is they had an attitude called next. We're going to go no matter what. And you know what? If, if, it, if we die, we die. And if we stay here, we die. We're not going to stay here anymore because we're going to die. So let's just go for it. Let's get out of this place and go for it. I don't know about you, but I am moving to my next. Are you? Are you moving to your next? Uh, in alignment with this thought is the third thought is this. Been here long enough. How many have ever said that? Deuteronomy 1, 6, and 7, it says, When we're at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God told us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. There comes a time in our lives where we have to be completely, absolutely irritated at the fact that we're in the same spot. And then next language starts happening. Next starts to come out of us. I'm not going to stay here anymore. I've been here long enough. I'm going to go find the next level. I'm going to forget what is behind it. And I'm going to reach forward to what is ahead. Do you believe that this morning? If so, say amen. amen. Number four, Joshua chapter three, verse three, it says, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Listen, someone who's got this concept of next and the language of next, the first thing out of their mouth is I'm going after it. I'm going after it. Nothing is going to hold me back. Nothing is going to distract me or, or, or dissuade me from what God has for my life. There's got to be something inside of you that says, I'm going to grab it no matter what. Do you believe that this morning? Go after, interestingly enough, they said to go after what? Go after the priests. What were they carrying? The Ark of the Covenant. What was in the Ark of the Covenant? Representation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go after the presence of God. When you go after the presence of God, everything else starts to make sense. Do you believe that this morning? Amen? Are you ready? Number five. One of the most encouraging, uplifting books in the entire Bible. One that that has caused many people to change from a state of absolute discouragement into a place of joy. We're going to look at the book of Job. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 9. And it says, the righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Interesting thing in the Hebrew language here, it actually refers to something that is continuous, that is infinitum, that goes on forever and ever. So he's saying here, the righteous keep on, keep on, moving forward. It's, it's, that's what it is. It's keep on moving forward, to keep on keeping on. That's what it's literally describing. It's an attitude in our heart that says, we're going to go for it, we're going to get it no matter what. Number six, are you ready for this? Get out of the boat. How many know that in the story in Matthew chapter, I believe it's verse 14 or chapter 14, we know the story that it's Peter that actually gets out of the boat and walks on water to Jesus and then he he sees the wind and the waves and he gets all worked up and then he starts to sink. But have you ever noticed that there was only one boat leaper? Only one. I wish there was 12, but there was only one. And I thought about this and I thought to myself, why is it that that we do that? And why is it that I have done that in my life? I can honestly look back at my life and go, yep, I did not get out of the boat there. I didn't get out of the boat there. I didn't get out of the boat. And I've thought about it. Why is it that we didn't jump out of the boat? And I've come to an overwhelming conclusion that I think will help all of us. Are you ready for this one? Are you ready? Here we go. We didn't get out of the boat because we'd like someone else to go first. Can someone else go first? And I'll see how it goes. And if you survived, then I'll think about it. And you're sitting there and praying and believing God for a new invention to come in 29 AD that has never been invented before in that particular part of the world called ice. And you would hope that it would just freeze and then you could walk on water. Just like every Canadian does for three months in the middle of winter. Right? Problem is, is, it didn't happen. Somebody who has next in their attitude, next in their heart, next in their language is going to say, I'm going to be the one that gets out of the boat and I don't care what anyone else is doing. I don't, it doesn't bother me what they're doing. I'm just going to go for it. And the last one is this, last thought or last foundation phrase that I'm going to lay for this whole series over the next month is the word crossover. How many know that when you cross over something, you've got to, you've got to cross over the thing that you've got to cross over in order to cross over? The problem is, is it's what we have to cross over. We don't like to cross over, which causes us not to cross over. I'm, I'm just trying to think about what I just said. Whoa, that was good. Wow, that took a little, wow, that was good. Okay, we're good. You know what scares people is what they actually have to cross over. Because on this side of the shore, it's very comfortable. We understand it. We know what to do. We know how to act. We know how to live. We know who's around us. We, it's comfortable. So I'm not going to branch out across that thing that I need to cross over because I don't know what's on the other side. Next says, I'm going to cross over no matter what. How many have ever seen or maybe you have even tried a virtual flight simulator, right? How many have ever tried one of those things? How many have ever seen one? How many have ever seen one that you can even get them online and do, you know, create your own gaming system and everything? I don't know about you, but these I've seen these people that are in there and they have mastered the art of taking off in the virtual flight simulator. They have mastered the art of flying in many different altitudes and many different situations. They've even mastered landing. But at the end of every session, they have gone nowhere. Because it's all virtual. It's not real. It doesn't you don't go anywhere. In your mind, you think you've just traveled 20,000 miles, but you haven't gone anywhere. And the problem is with too many Christians and too many people in church is we are so excited to hang around other people that like to cross over. But at the end of the day, there comes a moment where, where the traction has to hit your shoes and your feet. And you've got to make a decision to cross over and to face your own Goliath, no matter what else is going on around you. Because if you don't cross over, you won't experience the next miracle, the next door, the next season, the next things in your life. At some point, you've got to say, I've got to face it. I've got to cross over. Amen? Amen. Amen. I know that for church, because even in church leadership, there's often times where we like to borrow off-the-shelf methods, as I call them, at Christian bookstores. Church Leadership 101, this is how you go to two services. It's good to learn from other people. But how many know we're going to learn and figure things out as we go, right? How many know that someone else's breakthrough cannot be yours? Someone else's aha moment cannot be yours? Because how many know that there's no better testimony, no better uh, person describing something uh, in, in an oral way when it's their own story versus someone else trying to tell their story? It loses its effectiveness. The aha moment goes out the door because it's not their story. You're trying to tell someone else's. The best stories I've ever told is when they're mine. I did this. I went through that. I messed up. God redeemed it. God loves me. Don't know why some days. But that's our story. Crossing over is what God wants us to do. It's the language of next. Well, I just want to define next. I want to define not from a Webster's Dictionary definition, but from a spiritual definition this morning, and I'm going to define next level because I think it's so key. So the word next is simply this, ready? An attitude of faith. When we hear the word next, especially those that are charismatic, have a charismatic bend to them, or Pentecostal bend to them, or you just really like to shout really loud, or things like that. What we tend to do is we always put all of our faith, our hope, and everything in the next thing, the next season, the next answered prayer, the next miracle, the next supernatural visitation of God. What I want you to see is the next that we're talking about and the next that's the most critical. It's not something you're believing for. It's an attitude of faith that's going to get you there. Good point. Thank you. All right, moving right along. It's not mental discipline. It's faith discipline. It's all about going to the next level. How many of you heard that phrase before? I'm going to go to the next level, right? How many have ever heard that and felt pressure and gave in under the pressure and just couldn't do anything with it? How many your whole life desires to go to the next level and you don't seem to figure out how to get there? How many wish the next level was right in front of us right now so that we could just reach out and touch it? Next level, what is it? And I want you to listen to this because this is so key this morning. Next level, defined. It's the faith to pursue things And to allow things to unfold at God's pace. I say it again. It is the faith to pursue things and to allow things to unfold at God's pace. That word unfold literally means to reveal or to make known. So the faith to pursue things. How many know that the first step in having a next level attitude is having faith in God? Not in our ways, but in God's ways. So the first critical point here is we need faith. But how many know that to allow things to unfold at God's timing, it takes what? It takes trust. It takes trust. Faith, trust. Not in our timing, but in God's timing. How many know that God's timing is not our timing? How many know that our timing is almost rarely ever God's timing? How many know that God almost never uses a clock? He does not have an Apple Watch. Those that think that they have, he has Apple products in heaven, they're not there. Just deal with it now. Just deal with it now. He does not have an Apple Watch. He does not look down and have his whole life run by an Apple Watch. It doesn't happen. Why? Because to him, one day is a thousand years. His process of time has nothing to do with chronological tickies of little seconds going off one after another. His concept of time is what he calls process. How many are excited about that word? Process. God, what we always wanted. Process. Gives us such incredible faith and trust in process. The faith to pursue things. And to allow things to unfold at God's pace. Matthew 6.33, it says this, but seek first, what? His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The Amplified says it like this, but seek, aim at, and strive after. First of all, His kingdom and His righteousness, His way of doing and being right. I love that. His way of doing and being right. His way of doing. When we know how to be with God, then He was going to teach us how to do godly things. Amen? That's the heart of God for all of us this morning. How many are excited about their next? Whenever next is talked about, we often talk about next seasons. How many wish that winter was over right now? Right? We talk about next levels. We talk about next miracles. We talk about next doors, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But there's so many things that we put our focus on, and we put our our hope in, and we put our faith in, and and what God is after is process. Say process. He loves process. I want to just explain a couple of things to you this morning. I'm going to give some definition and some background on this. Um, every season, very simply stated, is a span of time. So for some of us, we would hope and pray that the process of God would be one minute. Right? Some of us that really settle in life expect it to be one hour those that really, really, really are gracious to God will take one day. But the process of God, with the way he thinks things, is often years. Why? Because he's more interested in the process, the life lessons along the, the way of the process, than he is in instant transformation. Transformation comes as a result of processing your life with God. God. How many know that if you got an answer right now, you wouldn't experience the the joy of that answer to its fullest degree unless you fought for it? Unless you paid some sacrificial prices for it. So every season is a span of time. I want you to hear me this morning. Every season, in every season, there are levels, miracles, and doors. Listen to me again. In every season, there are levels, Miracles and doors. Listen to this. Every season has next levels within that season. And every next level has miracles for that level. And every miracle has doors that you need to go through at that time, at that level, and at that season. So I want you to track with me for a second here. Here's the thought that God had me land on as I've been preparing this This message series. Some of us want to go to the next season when the reality is we need to go to the next level in this season. Why? Because the process in this season produces the fruit and the character and the integrity that can handle the next. So we pray, God, give me a next season. And He's saying, No, go to the next level in this season. Because when you go to the next level in this season, then the wealth of information and the wealth of revelation and the wealth of understanding of my heart and my ways will be tenfold more than what it would ever be if you abandoned or aborted this process in this season in order to just go through a door and hope that everything else is going to be okay on the other side. It doesn't work like that. How many wish it did? How many wish you could play God for, like, forever? Right? And do things completely different. Absolutely. I think we all would. I'd be the first one to say that. Why? Because we don't understand the things of God. So next is not about accomplishing something. Next is not about grabbing a miracle or grabbing some supernatural breakthrough. Even though we believe for that and we will see it. Next is about an attitude of faith that says, I'm going to cross over, I'm getting out of the boat, I'm moving forward, I'm not looking back, I'm not using the rearview mirror, I'm moving forward to the things that God has for my life, and I'm not turning around, I'm not standing still, I'm not waiting for someone to catch up. Interestingly enough, in that whole crossing over point, the very first thing that had to die was Moses. Moses had to die before they could cross over. In other words, there's certain things that have to die before you can cross over. And there's certain people that won't come with you when you cross over, because they're not crossing over. And we've got to be okay with that. And if I can say this morning um, quite confidently, because I've seen this so many times, don't worry about who's not crossing over with you. Because God often brings them along later. Because they love you and he loves them. The most important thing for God in every season and at every level and through every door is a new you. He wants a new you. We always come to God and we say, God, I want the next me. And he says, I want a new you. I want a new you. Don't abandon the process. Amen? Don't connect your faith to an answer. Connect your faith to the God of the answers. Amen? Because this is so critical. We always put our time and attention, our focus on all these other things. And thinking that that's going to satisfy, or thinking that's going to turn things around in our lives. But the reality is, is it isn't. It starts right here in our heart our faith, our belief to say, God, I'm going for your next. Amen? Listen to this. The old you won't understand what God wants to do in the next season because the old you only knows the old season, the old miracles and the old doors. A new level requires a new you. Amen? The new you is the one who has the ability to see the next. the new you. Say, but that means, does that mean I've got to stay in this season so that God creates a new you? Well, I think the first thing you've got to determine is, is the season that you're in, is it man-made, is it God-made, or is it the enemy's made? Who, who created it? What have you walked into? What situation have you created? Maybe what has the enemy created if it's the enemy, how many know we fight it? If it's ourselves, we, we uh, kill it. <laughs> if it's us, we put ourselves up on our cross and not physically, you know what I'm saying? But the Bible says, deny, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Deny, deny, deny. If it's from God, we say, God, help me to learn. Help me to get it. Lord, help me to get it because, because he wants you to experience the miracle in this season because it's the miracle in this season that God's going to use your voice to declare it to somebody else while they're stuck in their season. He wants a new you for a next. How many know that your next is greatly influenced and determined by your now? What do you do now? What's your attitude now? What do you say now? Who's your friends now? Who unfriended you yesterday now or anything? What is going on now? Your next is directly related and linked to your now. How quickly you get out of your now and into your next is greatly determined by how quickly you embrace what God is doing now. Amen? That's a great word. You're all excited. woo Yay! But I want to say this morning, just so we get a picture here, God's not in a hurry. He wants you to say, God, whatever you want, teach me, Lord, change me, Lord, transform me, Lord, because I'm excited that as you transform my heart and I start speaking that next language, things are going to change. Things are going to turn around. You're going to give me new opportunities, new doors, new seasons, new levels. A new you is necessary for a new level. Um, Some of you obviously have been probably noticing that there's a a big door here, and I just want to say thank you. I know, is Damon still here? Uh, Damon, brother, thank you for I sent out a text on whenever it was Thursday to Adam and to Damon. I went, I need a door that stands up straight. And I don't need to hold on to it. So it'll stay standing up. he says, no problem, Pastor. I got it. So here he goes. Thank you. This is the best illustration I think I can use. Because whenever we think of what's next, whenever we think of the next miracle, we always think of doors. Christian Uh, Churches and Christians, we always think, God, what's the next door of opportunity? What's the next door I need to go through? How many have ever come to a door of opportunity and it always seems like it's closed? I, I purposely kind of left it closed because I want you to see this is how many of us view our lives right now. Lord, I'm just trying, I'm praying, I'm seeking you, and that's what I get all the time. And then I thought to myself, maybe I should put a big Toronto Maple Leafs logo right here. And then I thought, no, God may leave the church in that moment, so I won't want to do that. Um, but doors are an incredible illustration for us to understand what God wants to do. I want to read a verse here. If you want to go to the next one there for me, Renee. This is Jesus. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. So this is what he's doing. He's on the other side. He's knocking. What are we doing? Share the story in the first service, but it's, it's too funny because it's never happened to Sandra and I ever in our lives. How many of you have ever been home um, and you're curled up in your comfies and you are very, just want to veg for the whole night, do nothing, and then the doorbell rings. And then you start thinking to yourself, how can we not answer the door? And then the thoughts hit us, both cars are home, that's a problem, the lights are on, that's a problem. How many have not answered the door anyway? I have to be honest, I've done it once, twice? Once <laughs> Lord Father, I ask for Ken Wentz's forgiveness, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you've made him to be such a godly, forgiving and loving man that sees past his pastors' faults and struggles. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Oh, come on now. (laughs) Oh, lost my mic. Here we go. Where's the mic? Awesome. But this is how we see things. But get this. Jesus is on the other side knocking. What's the next verse here? He says, I am the door of the sheep. Can I say something this morning? You don't ever have to worry about having a door of opportunity or a door that God has for you because he is the doormaster of the sheep. You are sheep. He's got a door just for you. You don't have to worry about someone else going through their open door. And you don't have to worry about not going through your open door. You don't have to worry about anyone else's door. As a matter of fact, you have one door. It's just for you. The shepherd has one door that's all yours. It's got your name on it. And no one else can take it. Now, you can stand in front of it for a very long time. That door looks closed. Then the Holy Spirit says... But there's a handle. Oh yeah, there's a handle. Isn't that cool? Maybe we should do something about that. I want to read one other verse. Proverbs 8.34, it says this. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Blessed are those who are waiting here, processing, saying, God, I trust you. I believe that there's something next in my life. You know what happens when we get to this incredible door of opportunity and we know what's on the other side is Jesus and Jesus alone and the most incredible blessing and the most incredible breakthrough and the most incredible blah, 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 blah. You know what happens the moment we start to get here? Is the little rearview mirror starts to talk and says, well, why in the world would God give you an opportunity when you've done such and such? When you've done this, when you've done that. So you know what starts speaking right here? Shame. Regret. but God, I didn't obey you 10 years ago. God can redeem time. That's the one thing he actually does with time that the Bible actually says. It says he redeems time. He buys it back and he gives it better than the original. But what do we do when we're struggling, when we're discouraged, when all the old voices are coming back? What do we do when the rearview mirror is speaking? What do we do when the people in the backseat that we're trying to see because of the rearview mirror are speaking and telling us how to drive, even though they have no courage and no guts to step out of the boat themselves? So they would just rather tell you how to do it. What do we do? I want to give you a couple of verses here in the Bible that I think is just awesome. Genesis chapter 4, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. For those that don't know the story, very brief conversation. Two brothers, God asked them to bring a sacrifice to them. It says, Abel gave a good sacrifice. Cain, it says, in the process of time. In other words, he, wasn't, he didn't prioritize God in his life. He didn't give the offering in a way that was honoring and worthy of God. And it literally says he became angry. He became dejected. He became frustrated. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says this. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, waiting to get you, but you must master it. You must subdue it. Sometimes we think that the closer we get to a breakthrough of opportunity, that sin's voice gets quieter. As a matter of fact, the enemy loves to sit right around here. And they like to, back in the old days when Martin Luther had to post the 95 theses, they had to post it on the main wall of the main gate so that everyone could see it. And I honestly am convinced that the enemy likes to come up and just post things on this door. Remember when? Remember when you did? Remember when you unfriended that person on Facebook? Remember when? And we look at that, we go, ah, I don't know what to do. But aren't you thankful that God loves you? Aren't you thankful that God didn't stop there? That he did Just stop there and stop knocking. It says in that first verse, Jesus is knocking and he keeps knocking. So he's knocking. How many have ever been at your home and you don't want to answer the door and the person keeps knocking? (laughs) And you're like, Jesus, have a rapture and just take them. (laughs) Kidding, I've never thought that in my life. Right? No, I've never thought that. But listen to this. Listen to this, Hosea 2.15. There I will give her back her vineyards. Who's her that he's speaking about? Hosea. What was Hosea a representation of? The church. So I will give impact church her vineyards. What's vineyards? Fruitfulness. And will make the valley of Acor a door of hope. What in the world does Acor mean? Thank you for asking. You look it up in the Hebrew. It means dejection, to be dejected, just like Cain. Cain was dejected says, I'm going to take your valley of dejection and make it a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days that she came up out of Egypt. She's going to respond with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness to God the same way that she responded the moment she gave her life to Christ. I don't know about you, but I remember the moment I gave my life to Christ and I was on cloud 59. I was in heaven. I was floating in the clouds because I was so excited about what God had done for my life. God is saying, get back to that. Get back to that. The NLT version of this verse says this, I will return her, so I will return Impact Church to her vineyards and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. He goes on at the end and it says, She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. She will give herself to me there. When you come to this door and the reminders of the pastor screaming out, and the sin is all over the place. Crouching at the door waiting to get you. Waiting to remind you of how you've messed up. And the enemy has posted all of these notes, these post-it notes on the door to remind you of where you haven't measured up. It's in that moment where you have to say, God, I give myself to you. I give myself to you. I'm going to walk through. I'm going to go to the other side. What's interesting about a door, Jesus is knocking. But there's some significant things about this door. Number one, it's framed. It's framed. We understand that the Bible says that the word of God frames the world. So in other words, when we're going to get to this door and we see all this stuff around it, we have to understand that the word of God needs to frame our decision making. The word of God needs to be the thing that we come back to to say, I'm going to follow the word of God. Because when I follow the word of God, he's going to transform me into the next season, the next opportunity, the next miracle. How many have ever opened an older door and when you opened it, it kind of creaked? Like, you know, when you open it? Ever had that before? Interestingly enough, this door is placed upon a hinge. The hinge is what turns. It's what, it, what opens doors of opportunity. But if something's not working well, you just put oil on it. Well, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. So if you're struggling to understand what God's doing, just tap into the things of the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to speak to you and bring clarity to the word of the Lord over your life so that you can confidently walk through. I want to just end with a couple of thoughts here. When you get to that door and you're staring at that door, You come to what I call a decision point. There's three questions that I want you to ask yourself when you come to that moment. Number one is this. What should I stop doing? What should I stop doing? What do I need to stop doing in this season so that I can experience the new and the fresh in that one? Next one is this. What should I start doing? What should I start doing? Third one is this. What should I... Keep doing. How many have ever been discouraged and the first thing we stop doing is the things that we know we should keep doing? Right? When you grab the handle on that door, it's what I'm going to call a shift point. It's the hinge moment. It's a transitional moment. It's a turnaround moment. What are we going to do to shift our mindset towards those next thoughts, that next language? What are we going to do to shift our heart and our goals and our ideals to that which is God's way in God's heart? What are we going to do to shift our faith from safe to courageous? How many know that it takes a courageous faith to get out of the boat? It's a safe faith to stay in it, right? It's a safe faith to stay in it. It's at that moment where you are literally caught in this process that God has you on. And if I can say it like this, I'll share from my own life. I remember a picture that God gave me many, many years ago. I shared it this morning, but an incredible picture that has just stuck with me for most of my life. Simply this. Remember a picture where I was in my boat. How many know that when you have your own boat, you get really comfortable with your boat and you really like your boat and you know where everything is so that makes it really, really comfortable. You know how to deal with things. You know how to correct things. You know how to troubleshoot. Everything's good. You like your boat. So you're in your boat and oftentimes what we do as believers is we say, God, can you come and help me fix my boat problem and get me in the direction that I need to go in? How many have ever done that? Right, we're good, okay. So what God does is he comes up in his boat. Comes up beside you, he looks at you, and he says, uh, how are you doing? Good? Everything okay? Um, not really. What's wrong? I'm not getting to where I want to get to. Jesus, can you get in my boat and help me to get to where I need to get to? He goes, um, I got an idea. Yeah? How about you get in my boat, and I'll take you where I want to get to you. And then we got a decision to make. We're at this door. We're at this precipice. We're at this exciting stage. Sin is screaming. Regrets are screaming. The enemy's posting stuff. We see it all. We're not dumb. We're looking in the rearview mirror. We're tempted to look back in the rearview mirror. We finally bear that rearview mirror once and for all. But we come to a moment where we say, we're going we're gonna to go for it. We're going to step out of the boat. We're going to move forward. We're going to forget what is behind. We're going to grab a hold of what God's doing for our lives. Because I'm not satisfied staying in this place any longer. Interestingly enough, most of us do this. Jesus is knocking, we answer it. We open the door and then we do this. We're concerned about all the people we love to see if they're going to come with us. We're concerned about maybe I forgot something. Maybe I left something behind that God wants me to bring to the next level. Don't worry about it. He just wants you. But then where most Christians make mistakes is we get through this door, we get to the other season, and guess what we forget to do? Now it doesn't want to shut for me. There shut. There we go. We've got to shut the door. We've got to learn everything we've got to learn right here because God wants to create a new you in this season. But then the moment we get through, shut the door. Why? Because God's got something next. He's got something on the other side. And the cool thing is, is on the other side, God has another door, (laughs) just for you, that no one else can take. And when you get to that door, you're going to see some reminders of pictures of you taking a selfie with your rearview mirror, (laughs) and trying to get the enemy to remind you, pick it back up again. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to have an attitude of faith for my next I'm going to go for my next. I'm not going to be hindered by anything from the old. I'm going to go for my next. Matthew 7, verses 7 to 8, I'm going to end with this verse. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. The Amplified Version says this, Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. People who keep on seeking, keep on asking, Keep on knocking our people that have next in their heart. Next isn't an answered prayer. It's not a breakthrough. It's not a supernatural miracle. It's not a door. It's not a season. It's not a next level. Next is here. When you commune with God and you say, God, I am yours, you are mine, you're my father, I'm your kid, and there's nothing that can stop us when we partner together for this journey called life, why? Because God's more interested in the process in the journey than He is about what's next. So next starts right here. You want to see the cool thing happens is the moment we say, "I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His way of living, His way of doing," then everything else comes. But it's not because we manipulated it. It's not because we coerced it. It's not because we we made it up. It's because it was from God. And how many know the world out here? doesn't need one more, um, you know, bad example of Christianity to not come to church or not to believe. So what do we need? We need an authentic experience, genuine, genuine doors of next, of opportunity. Do you believe that this morning? Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.com.au impactkingston.com.